This is uh, the final message. Can you believe that it's over already? That's right, because it's not over. It's really only just begun. Amen, amen. Um, I appreciate the song uh, that was just sung. Uh, you know where that's taken from? 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Let's read that. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. The Bible says here, If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, read this with me if you will, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Isn't that a wonderful promise? God says he will send the rain if his people who are called by his name will turn from their ways and seek his face. I want to talk to you this morning, and, you know, this, this final message is usually one that... Um, uh, takes a lot of thought because it, this is your commission. I don't know if you realize it, but uh, today you are being deployed for service. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, please speak to us today. Lord, we want to see and to seek your face. Lord, change our lives and heal our land. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like for you to open your Bibles. to the book of John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus is speaking, and in John chapter 14, in John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. How many of you are looking forward to getting to paradise? How many of you are looking forward to that sweet experience of paradise? What a time that will be when we will enter sweet paradise together. I am looking forward to that time. As Christians, we are on a journey. In fact, when you came here, we began a journey. We began by going through the 23rd Psalm, showing that the Christian is on a journey. And we saw that that journey began at the cross. Amen? We looked at the parallel of how Psalm 23 uh, was, was, was showing the pattern of the sanctuary. Uh, we looked at the altar of sacrifice and what it means uh, for a Christian to, to give himself to Christ and to accept Jesus Christ. We even had an appeal for baptisms and some people made decisions to be baptized. Hopefully all of you have made decisions to be baptized, whether that is by water or by the Spirit. We... We, we went into the, the, the concept of prayer at the altar of incense, and we saw how prayer equips the soldier of Christ. It is his communication system in a foreign land. We saw how important prayer was. We took a look at the, at the table of showbread, and we saw that as soldiers, we must be equipped with the sword of God, with the word of God. We must be equipped with a knowledge of the truth that is found in the word of God. Can you see the journey that we have been on? 
Yesterday, we, we looked at this blueprint and saw that God uh, has a message for us to share with the world. We are called to be the light of the world, and we discussed ways in which we can go out and, and, and share this message with the world. We looked at the candlestick, and we saw that as God's people, we are called to witness. We've been on a journey, and now you are to be deployed. You see, our mission is to get to paradise. Amen? In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 12, Jesus is speaking, and he talks about how the, the, the kingdom of heaven, uh, 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 those who want to get to the kingdom of heaven must take it by violence. Have you ever read that verse? Take it by violence. Take it by violence. What does that mean? It simply means that you can't get to the kingdom of heaven without a fight. You have to fight. That's why we're called to fight the good fight of faith. So to get to sweet paradise requires a battle. You are being deployed today. Deployed for battle. Deployed for service, but it would be foolish of us to send you away without looking at one last part of that sanctuary found within the most holy place. You see, our, our camp has covered every other article, and we have glimpsed at the, at the most holy place. But, beloved, you got to understand that there is an adversary out there who wants to destroy you. You see, the battle, believe it or not, was not so much at the camp. Like, I believe that there were angels surrounding this tent, and Satan could only do so much. He couldn't even cause it to rain the way he wanted it to. This was, this was God's training ground, but, but now you're about to go out into the battlefield where it will be you by yourself. You see, the devil doesn't really attack. He knows better than to attack at the training ground. This is our training camp. Yeah, he, you know, he, he little skirmishes here and there, but it's when you get out there, that's when the battle really begins. You know how it works. You come to camp. You get excited. I have never studied the Bible like I have. And wait till I get home. And then what happens when you get home? You get back into the same routine of things. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians, I want you to turn there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Beginning with verse 11, the Bible says, Now all these things happened unto them, that is the children of Israel, for in samples... And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Just as we are on a journey to sweet paradise, so were the children of Israel on a journey to the promised land. And, and the devil tried many things throughout their journey to, to, to get them to fail and to fall. And, and we find that, that really these, these, these challenges, these obstacles, couldn't really stop the children of Israel. They kept moving on. They kept marching on. But there's a certain place where the devil seemed to have doubled his attack. And it was right as the children of Israel were on the borders of the promised land. 
You see, beloved, you and I are in a battle. You and I are marching to sweet paradise. But, but I'm, what I'm trying to warn you is that, is that once you leave this place and once you go out there into the real world, into the, into the, into the real battlefield, Satan is going to double his attack. Look around. I can imagine in the military. As they're about to go into the battle, everybody looks around because they know some of you, some of us may not make it back. What a thought. What a thought. You see, beloved, God is trying to prepare us for Satan's doubled efforts. The way I like to put it, beloved, is think of it as this. Satan will try to assassinate you. Like, because you have come to this camp, because you have been equipped with the word of God, because you understand the significance of the candlestick, because you have been trained through God's obstacle course, there is now a target on your back. Satan is seeking an assassination attempt on your life. The children of Israel are right on the borders of the promised land. I want you to notice with me what happens in the book of Numbers chapter 25. Numbers chapter 25. Verse 1. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. I want you to understand that Israel had been stopping at various places in the wilderness and this was their last stop before entering into the promised land. And this is where we find that Satan doubled his efforts. Reading on, the Bible says in verse 4, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them apart. Hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. Do you know what the, what the devil did? Satan sent Moabite women into the camp of Israel. And the men went and joined themselves and began to commit all kinds of whoredoms and idolatry. The devil knew man's weakest points. Beloved, we are living in a time where we are just upon the, the borders of the promised land. And the devil will come and attack you at your weakest points. He will try to attack you so that you will not, you will be eliminated or assassinated, if you will, and not make it into the promised land. Verse 6, the Bible says, And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through the, her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And listen, those that died in the plague were 24,000. 24,000. What do you think the devil's going to try to do just before the promised land. 
he is going to try to wipe out as many soldiers as he possibly can. We read in the book Conflict and Courage, page 115, near the close of Earth's history, Satan will work with all his powers in the same manner and with the same temptations wherewith he tempted ancient Israel just before entering the land of promise. He will lay snares for those who claim to keep the commandments of God and who are almost on the borders of the heavenly Canaan. He will use his powers to their utmost in order to entrap souls and to take God's professed people upon their weakest points. Let me ask you a question. Where are we right now? Well, uh, Wednesday night, we looked at the sanctuary. Thursday morning, uh, we, we looked at the altar of incense. Thursday and Friday, during our workshops, we journeyed to the table of showbread. Remember that? Saturday afternoon, after the blueprint presentation, we talked about how we can be lights. We, we journeyed to the seven-branch candlestick. Where are we right now? The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. See, What's happening is that, beloved, when you are a soldier and you make it through that first obstacle, the altar of sacrifice, and you make it through that second obstacle, the labor, and you get to that third obstacle. Remember our obstacle course that we talked about? The further you advance, the better a soldier you are. The further you advance, the more arrows are going to come flying your way. Which means, beloved, that, that, that what God is trying, the place that God is trying to get us to ultimately is where? The most holy place. Now, when you are dwelling in the most holy place, that is when Satan will unleash everything he has against you. That's when he's going to go all out. In fact, we read about it in the book of Revelation chapter 12, a verse you all are very familiar with. Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, the Bible says the dragon was wroth and went with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which dwell in the most holy place. Yeah? I mean, you know, Meyer's translation, <laughs> but that's what it's saying. The devil was angry with the, with the woman and went to make war with the remnant, the remainder, that special group, God's special forces, who do what? Keep the commandments of God and have the faith or the testimony of Jesus. So the devil is angry with those who say we will keep the law of God. And by the way, beloved, to keep the law of God means that you are experiencing victory over sin. This is what the devil will try. This is how the devil will try to assassinate you. He needs to get you to break the law of God so that you can be eliminated and disqualified from entering sweet paradise. How did he do it with the children of Israel right there on the borders of the promised land? You know, um, you have your Bibles? Revelation 12, verse 15, I want you to look at this. Revelation 12, verse 15. I want to show you how the devil works. Beloved, listen. Revelation 12, 15 says, The serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Let's not get carried away, guys. <laughs> Let's not get carried you ever heard someone, you ever heard someone say to you, hey, guys, let, let's not get carried away. <laughs> the devil's goal is to get you to get carried away. 
Let's not get carried away. You see, the devil opens up his mouth and his desire is to cause you to be carried away. What do you mean, pastor, carried away? Go with me to the book of James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Are you there? James 1, verse 14, 15, the Bible says, But every man is tempted when he is carried away. Okay, we'll wait. <laughs> the devil opens his mouth and lets out a flood to cause the people of God to be carried away. Carried away how? By their own lust. How did he carry away 20,000? Because they followed their own lusts. James 1.14, it reads, Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Let me ask you something. What is sin? According to 1 John 3, 4, sin is the transgression of the law. So listen, beloved, when you get into the most holy place where the law of God is, Satan's desire is to lure you out of the most holy place so that he can assassinate you. His desire is to carry you out of the most holy place. To draw you out of the most holy place so that he can assassinate you. However, God can protect you. Did you know that? In fact... God has a protection service. Let me introduce to you the title of my message, God's Secret Service. You see, beloved, when we look at people like the president of the United States of America, we know that because he's an important individual, he has... Secret service. You are very important people to God. You are. You are. You're very important. You are God's specially trained soldiers. And so God knows that, that when you go back out there into the battlefield, that the devil is seeking to assassinate you, to eliminate you. But God is not going to leave you without service. Psalm 91. <laughs> Psalm 91. The Bible tells us there, he that dwelleth in the what? Secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. <laughs> where, where is the secret place of the Most High? <laughs> it's the most holy place. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. <laughs> do, do you follow this? You see, Satan's out there setting up his snares and his traps and, and his booby traps and his landmines. But God says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, I'm going to provide him with secret service. 
It says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the hour that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. And then check out verse 11. I'm just going to let you read that for yourself. He will give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Now, now, what sticks out to me is the word over. Over. Does anyone, is anyone thinking covering cherubs? Secret service. Do you mind if I just dwell in some excitement for a moment? <laughs> Can we just wait? <laughs> no matter what the devil tries to bring our way, no matter what kind of devices or traps he, set, he sets, even though those traps look like, man, there's no way of escape from this one, God says, if you dwell in the secret place, I will keep you. I will give my angels charge over you. You will have your own entourage of angels that will protect you and keep you in my law and in my word. Job had secret service. Absolutely. Job had secret service. That's how Job was called a perfect man. Remember, beloved, the Ark of the Covenant is really talking to us about victory over sin. Victory over lawlessness. Come on, you remember the story of Job? What happens? God says, have you considered my soldier Job? I mean, my servant Job? You see, beloved, Job was a soldier. Are you with me? Job was a soldier. Job was a warrior. And, 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 and warriors, you have to let warriors do their thing. There's a reason why God didn't say, when Satan came to, to, to God, God didn't say, no, 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 no. Don't fight my servant. No, 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 no. God said, what? <laughs> you don't know who trained him, do you? <laughs> You don't know, this is, this is my servant, this is my soldier. I trained him personally. You, so, so, beloved, when trials come your way, understand that God is saying, listen, I'm entrusting you because I've trained you. Don't fail me. Because we always had, Job had the option to fail God. But God knew that Job could overcome the devil's attacks. So God says, have you considered my soldier, Job? How there is none like him in all the earth? And what does, Joel, what does Satan say? Satan says, yeah, yeah, you know what? Let this happen. And, and I bet you, beloved, listen, sometimes I believe that the devil will go straight to God and be like, I bet you if you allow your servant to go through this trial or this situation, I bet you he or she will fall. And sometimes God will say, go. I mean, Job was minding his business. Any of you ever been minding your business? <laughs> I was just minding my business and this trial, this temptation came out of nowhere. And so Job is being tested. And the Bible says twice in all this, Job did not what? Sin. You want to know why? Because Job had secret 
service. I want you to think about something. You see, part of Job's trial, in fact, the majority of Job's trial dealt with his reputation. Remember, Job, God said Job was a perfect man, right? But now he is suffering and his friends come to him and they're saying, look, the reason you are suffering is because you must have done something wrong. Job was willing to submit to a marred reputation while keeping his character pure in the eyes of God. You see, beloved, listen to me. If, if the devil cannot assassinate your character, he will assassinate your reputation. And there's a reason that he tries to do that. Because, you see, if Job had responded in the, in the wrong way, if Job had begun to try to, you know, uh, 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 stand up and, and all these things, what would have happened, beloved, is that, is that Job would have begun to reflect the character of self-righteousness. The devil will try any and every attack to eliminate you, and he was trying to eliminate Job in this very way. Joseph had secret service. You remember what happened? Joseph is in Potiphar's house, and Joseph's, I mean, Potiphar's wife makes an attempt for Joseph. If Joseph did not have secret service, okay, somebody help me. <laughs> if Joseph did not have secret service, he would have fallen in the hands of the enemy. And when God cannot, when Satan could not destroy Joseph's character, what did he attack? His reputation. And Joseph was willing to bear that reputation. Please, follow me because we're going somewhere with this. Joseph was willing to bear that reputation because of his love for God. By the way, I want you to notice with me very quickly Psalm 31, verse 20. What is it that gave Joseph peace? Psalm 31, verse 20. This is beautiful. Watch this. Are you there? See, while Joseph's uh, 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 reputation was being maligned and all these things. Listen to what the Bible says here. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Okay, did you see that just now? Those that dwell in the secret place, you can't attack their character. And even if you try to attack their reputation, God says, I got them. Daniel had secret service. A decree was made. No one can bow to any, no one can pray to any God for 30 days. What does Daniel do? He prays. What do they do? They take Daniel and throw him in the lion's den. But the lions didn't know something. <laughs> the lions didn't know that Daniel none of the guys who threw him in there realize it either. See, when they, oh, when they removed the stone and they were like, Daniel, get in. And they didn't realize there were two angels like, hold on one second. Hold on, Daniel. Come on, we're getting in there with you. <laughs> two angels. <laughs> Just got in there with them. Come on. We're going in there with you. 
I don't know how many angels there were, but they didn't realize Daniel had secret service. So the next morning they come along and, and they're like, Daniel, are you okay? And Daniel's like, yeah, me and secret service are down here. Daniel, beloved, had secret service. The three Hebrews had secret service. When they were told to bow down before that image and they refused to bow, what happened is that they were bound in rope and then they were thrown in a fiery furnace. Who was in there with them? Jesus. Jesus was in the fire. Do you know the Shekinah glory? that is found in the most holy place. It's as though these three Hebrews were dwelling in the very presence of the Shekinah glory. <laughs> Secret service. Can I share something with you, beloved? Have you ever found bound, have you ever felt bound by a situation or bound by circumstance? Listen, when the, when the three Hebrews were th thrown into the fire, uh, you know what the purpose of the fire was? It was to burn the circumstances. It wasn't to burn them. <laughs> when God allows you to go through fire, he's simply allowing you to go through so that the things that you feel bound you. <laughs> if you stay faithful to God, then when you are thrown in the fire, the things that the devil thinks he's got, ah, I got you bound now, really? <laughs> The fire only serves to burn the rope. <laughs> you will have no smell of smoke on you. So God is saying, stay in the secret place, stay in my presence, and no weapon that the devil can form against you will prosper. So, Satan's going to try to lead us out of the secret place. The Bible says that the dragon opens up his mouth as a flood after the woman. And when I read in Psalm 18, verse 4, it talks about what does a flood represent, by the way, in the word of God? What does water represent? Peoples, nations, multitudes, and tongues. Psalms 18.4 talks about the flood of the ungodly. So listen, beloved, one of the ways that the devil will try to eliminate you is by sending a flood of ungodly people into your life. When you go home from this place, be careful who you're hanging out with. Be careful, beloved, because the devil will send a flood of friends. He will send a flood of people, say, hey, come on, let's go, all right, you went to your camp, you did your thing, now you're back with us, come on, let's get back into the routine of things. Be careful of the flood of the ungodly. But beloved, not only can God, can the devil send ungodly friends, he can also send ungodly enemies. And see, if you allow ungodly people to make you yourself become ungodly, then the devil has carried you away. You see, beloved, this is, this is high-tech warfare the devil is waging. And we as God's people need to be able, we need to have the, those special goggles that enable us to see the devil's attacks for what they are. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We will not care what the devil does or how he does it, and we won't even care. We will care about character, and we will not even care about reputation. We will say, whatever I have to suffer for God, I will suffer it as long as I'm suffering it for righteousness' sake. God is trying to train up soldiers, beloved, who will be strong soldiers, who will take the kingdom of heaven by violence. You know the type, we, we, we talked about it the other day, where Moses went up the mountain. Do you remember that? And the children of Israel were left in the valley below and, and Moses delayed his coming in the same way Jesus has gone up the mountain. He delays his coming, it appears. What are we doing down here in the meantime? You see, beloved, the children of Israel began to murmur. Don't murmur. Man, there's nothing to do here in the wilderness. Young people. Man, there's no video games out here in the wilderness. The children of Israel murmured. And it disqualified them. 
It's no fun out here. They complained. They were bitter. They were angry. All these things, beloved, we've got to look at these lessons and realize, Lord, help me not to fall after the same example that they fell after. They were idle. The Bible says they got up to sing and to, to dance and to play. And, I mean, they were idle, beloved. Don't let idleness, oh, I have nothing to do. Don't allow idleness to steal your fire. The question becomes, what is the secret to dwelling in the secret place? What is the secret to dwelling in the secret place? I mean, I want to be in the secret place. How many of you want to be in the secret place? But how do we dwell in the secret place? How do we live above the law of God? How do we live in such a way where the devil cannot entice us to fall into sin? How can we live without falling to our own lusts and our own desires? That's the question. And the, the, the problem that many of us have is that in trying to, to keep the law, we are looking at the law and trying to keep it. But beloved, that is not how you end up keeping the law. You can't keep the law by looking at the law. I might say that as Seventh-day Adventists, we sometimes maybe miss the things that we should be looking at in the most holy place. You see, beloved, the law of God was not the only thing that was there. There was the manna that was in the ark as well. You see, beloved, what was the manna about? God rained down a certain rate of bread every day. And on the, on the sixth day, he rained down a double portion. And then on the seventh day, he rained down none. Beloved, that tells me, you know, sometimes I will hear people say, I, I came to church today and I didn't get fed. Could it be, beloved, that the reason that you found no bread on the seventh day is because you weren't looking for bread on the first day or the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth or the sixth? You didn't go out gathering for yourself. You just went to church on Sabbath like, okay, where's the bread? And God's like, sorry. <laughs> the reason why you don't understand the sermon is because you spent the whole week sleeping while I was giving bread. The reason why the word is boring to you is because you didn't get the excitement that I was giving out all week with the bread. I was, you see, every morning God rains bread down from heaven. Every morning he rains bread down. And those who get up and go looking for it, oh man, you'll never believe what I found. Ooh. And that bread sustains us. It's what helps us to grow in Christ's character. Beloved, what he's trying to do, listen. You see, beloved, we have to learn how to, the Sabbath is not, how do I do this? <laughs> when God was raining that bread down, he was trying to teach the people how to depend upon him. Or how not to worry. Don't worry. Relax. Rest. Don't worry. Relax. Rest. See, he was teaching them the principle of rest every day of the week. Don't worry about your food. Relax. Rest. I'm going to give you manna today. It's Sunday. Monday. Don't worry about your food. Relax. Rest. I'm going to give you food. Every day of the week, he was teaching them how to rest so that when the Sabbath came around, they had gotten six days of practice. You see, beloved, what God is trying to show us is this, that, that we don't really keep the Sabbath by going to church on Sabbath. That's not keeping the Sabbath. Keeping the Sabbath is when you live the first... Remember when God created the world? The first day was good, the second day was good, the third day was good, the fourth day was good, the fifth day, the sixth day, and then he Sabbathed? 
If you're living the first day crooked, the second day crooked, the third day crooked, the fourth day crooked, the fifth day crooked, the sixth day crooked, and then you get to church. Woo! Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. That's not happy Sabbath. That's why we don't have happy Sabbaths. Stop saying happy Sabbath. Only say happy Sabbath if you did what God asked you to do during the week. Then you can say happy Sabbath. Then we can experience happy Sabbath. I can't wait for a happy Sabbath. Oh, man. Anybody have horrendous Sabbath? You go to churches, it's like, oh, oh, oh. It's because we are missing the lesson, and we're looking at the law, but we're not looking at the manna. Aaron's rod that budded teaches the same lesson. It's a dead stick that it's a it's a dead stick that came to life, beloved. It represents Christ and Him crucified. Represents Christ and Him crucified. And He, beloved, is as we look at Christ and Him crucified, we will naturally keep God's law. But there is one more point that I want you to understand, and this is absolutely. Absolutely important to understand, beloved. Not only was there Aaron's rod that budded, not only was there the manna, but there was something else that was actually so important in the most holy place. And it's, you know, like we... The Shekinah glory. The Shekinah glory. The very presence of God. I want you to listen to what Ellen White says about the presence of God. In the book Education, page 255, she says, As a shield from temptation and an inspiration to purity and truth, no other influence can equal the sense of God's presence. Beloved, when you live life as though you are living in the very presence of God, it will keep you from sin. When you live life with the belief that you are in the very Shekinah glory of God, it will change the way that you live life. Ellen White says no other influence can equal it. None. She says this thought was Joseph's shield amidst the corruptions of Egypt. What kept Joseph? The thought that he was in the very presence of God. How many of us walk around every day thinking, I'm in the very presence of God? Like God is with me. Like that's what secret service is. Okay. That's what, if you are walking around without secret service, it's because you're walking around without the thought that you are dwelling in the very presence of Jesus. Only the sense of God's presence can banish the fear that for the timid child would make life a burden. Let him fix in his memory the promise, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Let him fix in memory. Now somebody translate that for me. Let him hang in memory's hall the picture of the angel of the Lord encamping round about you. Beloved, when you're on the battlefield, you ever seen a soldier on the battlefield and he's just really worried and he pulls out the trinket and he looks at his wife or his child? Pull out the trinket and see the angel of the Lord. When you're in the midst of the battle, remember, look to memory's hall and see the angel of the Lord surrounding you. Nothing else can equal its influence. It's interesting. Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, will do what? Draw all men unto me. What does Christ want to do? He wants to draw us and draw us to his Father. What does the devil want to do? He wants to carry us away. Do you see the tug of war? Carry, draw. 
if we keep our eyes on that Shekinah glory. Please, uh, listen, all right, we're, we're going to wrap this up. I need you to see this very quickly. We just have a few more moments left. I want you to see this very quickly. In fact, we're not even going to go there. Numbers 21. Do you remember what happened in Numbers 21? The children of Israel are being bitten by serpents, and God tells Moses to make a what? Brazen what? Serpent and do what? Put it on a pole. Put it on a pole. Who did that serpent represent? Jesus. Very strange symbol to represent Jesus. Very strange symbol to represent Jesus. But we're going to come back to that because I want to show you something else. You see, beloved, we want, when we're looking at the serpent, we're looking at the glory of Christ. Amen? Do you remember when Moses was talking to God and Moses says to God, God, show me your what? Glory. We want to see God's glory. Amen? Because, beloved, the Bible tells us in the book of 2 Corinthians that by, by beholding the glory, we are changed into the same what? image. But there's something we need to understand about this because when Moses said to God, God, show me your glory, God responds by saying, no man can see my what? Face and live. So God's glory is equal to his face. Now, now, the reason why God said that no man can see my face and live is because if you look at God's face, something's going to happen. And it's very simple. It's kind of like he's, you're going to die. <laughs> Do you get what God is trying to tell us? If you want victory, look at my face. Wait a minute, wait a minute, God, no man can look at your face and live. Exactly. Exactly. You can't look at the face of God and remain alive. Self will die. But, but how am I to look at the face of God? Well, Jesus comes along and he says to Thomas, Thomas, have I not been so long with you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oh, so you mean looking in the face of Jesus is the same as looking in the face of the Father? Oh, yeah. So that means then that the glory of God, and by the way, glory is God's character. Isn't that right? So, so then the character of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you see that picture of Jesus' face? Do you see the picture? You see that picture? God says, soldier, I want you to keep this picture in memory's hall. Because if you see this face, you will know my character. But you see, beloved, I believe that many of you have the wrong picture of Jesus' face. I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, very quickly. Isaiah chapter 50, Isaiah chapter 50, and verse 6. We have the wrong picture of the glory of Jesus' face. Isaiah 50, verse 6, please notice what the Bible says here. Isaiah 50, verse 6, it says this, Jesus speaking here, says the Lord, or verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. What picture of Jesus' face do you see? You see, beloved, no, Jesus doesn't want you to see the nice portrait of him. That's not the face. That's not the glory. The face Jesus wants you to see is a face covered in shame. A bruised face. A face with spit dropping off of it. You see, beloved, Jesus did not receive a face like that because of his character. He received a face like that because of the reputation that the Pharisees gave him. Look at that face. 
God wants you to show, God is showing you, listen, beloved, I am the God of the universe. I can wipe you out in an instant and I let you do this to me because I love you. The Lord is good, is long-suffering, is loving, is kind, is gentle. That is the character of our Heavenly Father. The, the one who could have wiped you out. Look at that face. If someone did that to our face, they're gone. And yet as we look at the face of Jesus, we see this spitting, this beating, and the Bible says his face was covered in shame. Do you realize that the shame was the glory? Do you realize that the shame he went through magnified the glory or character of the Heavenly Father? Now, as you are a soldier on that battlefield, as your face is getting sweaty, as your face is getting dirty, as people are spitting upon you, are you with me? Remember the face of your Redeemer. As you are being falsely maligned, as you are being persecuted for righteousness' sake, don't give up. Don't, don't throw in a towel. Remember the face of your Redeemer. See the glory of God. You see, the Bible says, beloved, in Isaiah 55 or 56, rather, I think it is, that, that, uh, that, that we did not want to look at his face. We hid our faces from his face. I don't want that kind of shame. I don't want that kind of, what you're saying is I don't want that kind of glory. Jesus is saying, listen, if you're going to be like me, you're going to have to go through trials like me. You're going to have to go through circumstances like me. And, and look, no matter what they do, make sure that your character is always right with God. And no matter what the devil does, he will not be able to take you from the secret place of the Most High. Beloved, are you seeking the face of God? Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. If my people, which are called by my name, will do what? Humble themselves and, and seek my face. When God's people are willing to go through the very same trials and situations that Jesus went through, bearing the shame, when they're willing to do that, the soldier who is willing to say, Lord, I will go through anything and everything for you, spit on my face, I don't care, I will stand in righteousness for your name's sake. Then will God hear and send the latter rain. One last verse for you, and we're closing it up. Revelation, 16 verse, Revelation 6, verse 16. When Jesus comes again, what are the wicked going to say? Hide us from the face. Hide us from the face. You see, beloved, this will reveal that these people never knew, did not know the character of their Heavenly Father, the character of Jesus. Because I want you to imagine with me someone running down the street and they're screaming, Run for your lives! Run for your lives! A lamb is coming! <laughs> That's what the wicked say. Hide us from the wrath of the... Because they did not know his glory. Amen. Beloved, we're on a journey to sweet paradise. But before we get to sweet paradise, we've got obstacles to face. We've got battles to fight. But if we stay in the secret place of the Most High, God will 
see us through. God will see us through. How many of you are looking forward to sweet paradise? 
How many of you want to see the face of Jesus? Beloved, I want to make a final appeal today, and it is very simple. Lord, help me to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I need secret service. If that's your desire, I'm going to ask you to come. Just come to the front. Yes, we are being deployed for service. And every one of us needs that protection that is sure and that is certain. Sweet paradise. Sweet paradise. When we get to heaven, we will say it was all worth it. Amen. Heavenly Father, we each have battles to go home and face. Trials, obstacles, difficulties. But Lord, we can face them now with a new perspective, knowing that these are only designed to sharpen our witness. Lord, you were, you were portrayed as a serpent, but your character was that of a lamb. Oh, Lord, help us that our characters may reflect yours. That when the lamb comes, we will not run in fear, but we will come in praise. We thank you, Lord, for taking us on this journey. We thank you for training us these last five days personally. And now, Lord, we know, we know that Satan is coming to you even now saying, I bet you if. Lord, we know you're not into betting but we know that you have confidence, not in us, but in your son in us. And so Lord, remind us that when the devil challenges us, if we are in you and you in us, he is not really challenging us, he is challenging Jesus, and Jesus will never lose a battle to Satan. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing us your face that we ourselves might humble ourselves and be willing to take the shame, the spitting, whatever it is, Lord, as long as we know that you are with us. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. This message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com. Thank you and God bless.